This podcast was created and is hosted by a young survivor of stroke. This podcast series is part of Stroke Foundation's Young Stroke Project. Find out more by visiting youngstrokeproject.org.au. Have you got like, the proper spicy cough or just a... Nah, not the, nah, not proper spicy, thank goodness. So, uh, which may, I guess it makes, makes it far worse. It means I've got man flu, which is far more deadly. Hi there, my name's Paul Burns. I'm a young stroke survivor and I am on a mission to talk to people that have suffered strokes and other traumas and have gone on to absolutely smash it in their chosen field. We'll chat about how they approach life, manage their shortcomings and get a few tips and tricks along the way. Today I chat with Rob Goyan. Rob has always chased his goals hard. However, if there's one thing that Rob's done to give you an idea of the kind of person he is, it's the 250k ultra marathon that he ran on the 10th anniversary of his stroke. We talk careers, motivation, mindset, and why he chose to undertake such a race after dealing with his injury. So please enjoy this chat I had with Rob. Thanks so much for uh, for making the time, Rob. I really appreciate it. Easy. No problem at all. No worries. Well, I guess I, I want to start off with uh, the most obvious question that stuck out to me was, how did you get to a place on your 10-year stroke anniversary that you decided to run a 250k ultramarathon? Because I'm dare say there's probably a lot of people out there that can't even conceive of running an ultramarathon and, and not having the kind of injuries that you're carrying. How did, how did you get there? Yeah, I suppose we've got to go back to, I suppose, pre pre-stroke where I was um you know I was a fit sort of uh mid 30 year old and 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 you know I'd see myself sort of above average in in fitness level and I suppose my goal after I had my stroke was to try and get back to where I uh I wanted to be but then it became more than that what it became was can I trust my body again yeah which became how far can I push my body to trust it again? And I found the more I pushed it, the more I started believing my body, you know, was okay. I wouldn't have another stroke again. Yeah. And then it became, I suppose, an obsessive thing. So I started literally walking down the driveway after my stroke, and then it just got more and more and more and more from there. And uh, and then that led me to, uh, yeah, the 250 kilometers. Goodness, I mean, I think you undersold it a little bit. Yeah, ab- above average fitness. Um, I think anyone that's listening to this will agree that if you're running 250Ks, uh, <laughs> I think you're a little bit further than above average, mate. But, um, so how did you get to a point where, you know, you're testing yourself there? There must be a real fine line between how far do I push myself versus am I going too far? I mean, in my experience, all the doctors and everything say, you know, pace yourself, pace yourself, pace yourself. How do you ride that line? That is a uh, a question that I suppose myself and my wife agree and disagree with a lot because she thinks it's it's too far the way I'm pushing. She yeah. it's it's been a con- it's always a concern for her. She's kind of like, you know, you've almost died once. Why do you want to Why do you want to do it again? Mm. And I find sort of me pushing myself is is me being alive again and me saying, okay, well my body is okay. It's kind of a weird thing. I'm like, okay, if I survive that. I'm, I'm okay. I, yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it, the stroke's not going to happen again. And then you go, f- go all the way, you know, through that. And, you know, I had, after my stroke, I had to have a, a heart operation from there. And of course, when I first started coming back, exercising my cardiologist, I had to, you know, I got approval from him to, mm. to start running again. So he sort of said, yep, your heart's right. Everything's good. Mm. Um, you know, so I started sort of working with doctors at that stage. And then, uh, then I just went out on my own. Did they put any limits on you? Did they say, do this, don't do this, push this far, don't push this far? Or was it really a trial and error thing? 
Yeah, at the start, it was, uh, you know, don't do anything too heavy for a certain amount of time. And I was on um, on blood pressure tablets from there, so I couldn't lift my heart rate up to a certain level anyway. But when I when I came off them, then it was uh, then it was kind of a go for it. And then I just got the green light, I think, after about maybe it was 18 months after my stroke, somewhere around then, just to, yeah, everything's fine, uh, rip into it. Did you, did you ever push it? Did you give it too much of a nudge on it at any point, or did you find that it was a really gradual thing? Uh, if we look at that 250Ks, I had to go after about 80, maybe 100, yeah, just over about 80Ks, I ended up on a drip for, I took six litres of fluid yeah. um, in hospital. I got taken to hospital, and then then I, straight from hospital, I got dropped back to where I got taken off the road and, and continued it from there. So that was that was sort of pushing it to my hearing started to go, my vision started to go. Yeah. Um, it was a really hot day, and uh, yeah, I got the fluids and just got back up back on the road was there any point that you sort of went maybe this isn't a great idea or never never ever you were just never. like I'm, I'm doing it yeah i'm doing it yeah for sure my wife and i had a few heated discussions the nurse and the nurse and the doctors in the hospital at the time said you know do not go back back on the road and yeah. um and i was like yeah yeah no problem then as soon as i got back out the hospital doors i said to my wife to drop me back on the road let's go goodness wow so i guess I, i'd like to sort of round back to pre-stroke what was you sort of alluded to what was your life sort of like before pre-stroke i dare say you were, you mentioned that you were obviously pretty fit i mean what were the things that you were doing pre-injury yeah i had a pretty active life i was um you know i just spent sort of 11 years working out of uh based in Hong Kong and China. I was traveling sort of seven months a year, mm. working. Uh, I was exercising a lot. I was, you know, out having good having a good time as well at that age and, <laughs> and doing everything. And it was, uh, you know, it was all, I suppose, I, I, it was a pretty, yeah, it was an exciting life, you know, traveling, exercising, you know, mm. uh, spending lots of time in Europe, lots of time in the US and things like that. So I had a, I suppose, above average life in regards to work and exercise. Because you're in the fitness industry, aren't you? Um, with you represent certain brands, and, correct? And, yeah, 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 yeah. In the outdoor industry. So, did the did the the fitness come first, or was it you know the career side of things that led to the fitness? Which which drove which one? Now, the fitness was always, I suppose, first. I you know I always loved as a kid. I suppose like a lot of Australian kids, being outside and doing different things, and running was always something I did. Uh-huh. As a junior, you know, little athletics and all those, all those type of things, and then I suppose it went a little bit wayward in my uh, late teens and early twenties when you know I was uh, out chasing girls and having a good time and sure. and drinking and doing all that sort of stuff, and then yeah. uh, and then it sort of came back in the I suppose the in the, the late twenties. I found the love for it again. So what sort of really drives you for that sort of fit? I mean, look, I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're happy to hit the gym two or three times a week to keep themselves decent. You know, they might pursue hobbies, you know, boxing, cricket, footy, all that kind of stuff. And then there's some of the things that you've spoken about in the past, like, you know, martial arts and you're running and, you know, adventure sports. I mean, that is a whole different level. You know, what motivates you to, or what motivated you then to really take on those massive challenges? I suppose for me, I'm a sort of all-in type of type of person. What, whatever, yeah. whatever I do, it's 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 full on. Whether it's in business or whether it's in in exercise, and that's just and that's just my personality in general. If I'm going to do something, I'm I'm going to do go hard or go hard. Go hard. It's sort of like <laughs> you talk you talked about martial arts. When I did that, it was 
you know, they were like, okay, we'll come and have a have a tryout. I remember yep. when I was young and, you know, then you can see if you want to buy your uniform or whatever. I said, no, nah, buy the uniform day one. If we're doing it, we're doing it, you know, and I sort of commit commit to that. It's, it's all in. When you commit to something like that, okay, you pick martial arts as an example. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm all in. Do you go in your head, you know, I'm going to commit to this for a period of time. Do you go, I'm committing to it indefinitely and if, you know, the road changes somewhere along the way, then so be it? Or, I mean, when you say commitment, how do you, what does that mean to you? From So, so I've sort of, I suppose the way I look at it, I, I look at it like it's going to be forever. I just commit and go, okay, well, this is going to be forever. But then what happens is I hit I hit a certain level and I go, okay, I need, I now need a, I need need another challenge. And I find that in my sort of business life and, and my sporting life, I kind of go, yep, I'm all in. All right, I've hit that level. Okay, where, where do I go next? So it's more of a, a level up thing. Because, I mean, yeah. I, I've I've started things in the past where it's like, yeah, I'm committing, I'm all in, and then, you know, the wheels fall off or I lose interest. And then I guess a lot of people probably do this too. You know, you sort of beat yourself up. It's like, oh, yeah, I quit that. I guess I don't stick at things. And, you know, the self-doubt kicks in. But, but from what you're saying is you really just, I'm going to the next level. I'm going to the next challenge. It's not real. You don't see that as a, that dropping off that commitment for that particular thing as a negative thing. No, not at all. I th- I think it's I think it's important for for everyone to have you know some sort of goals and commitment. You can and you can move from there. I think it's when you're sitting there idle and you and you're not doing doing anything. You know, and I, I grew up with um you know my parents, oh they could write a list you know two foot long about things that I tried and 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 yeah. went in and you know from crazy things like drawing to you know all bits of different bits and pieces and it was kind of like okay I'll do that. I, I give that a good go. Okay, that's not for me, and I uh, and I and I move on from there. But okay. I've never sat idle doing nothing. Yeah, you always picked up something new, and you know, if if drawing wasn't the thing, okay, well, I'm going to go do this now. But just that doesn't mean that's a bad thing that I've dropped drawing because I've moved on to this. Now. Yeah, and, and feeling guilty about about stopping. I mean, guilt is a wasted emotion. You know, it's not worth anything. So it's kind of like there's no point feeling guilty about it. Just get on, and if that wasn't for you, go and uh, go and try something else. So how did you in your career get to places like, like Asia and, and the US? I mean, so when you say you represent, uh, you know, some brands, that's that's quite a sales role, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So I I suppose my passion, one of my big passions is is windsurfing. And um, yeah. so I started working with a, with a company over in, in China that manufacture windsurfing products, uh, a factory over there. And so I, I went over there to, they wanted to um, spread their product and and distribute their product around the world. So they needed mm-hmm. someone to do that. So I went, I flew over. It's inter- that, that's easy, an interesting story. I flew over there with, I had $600 to my name and I yeah. uh, got a one-way ticket to to China. A friend, one of my best friends was the sale, was a designer over there. Okay. So there might be a job. So I got a one-way ticket, flew to China, met with the Chinese and they said, look, travel around. I want you to travel around the world for six months. Uh, you won't get paid, but we'll pay for everything for you. Yep. And then see if it's viable to uh, to sell this product. Uh-huh. So I went and just had a really good time for six months, traveling around the world with one of my best mates. And uh, then I got back to China and, and I still didn't have a ticket home because I had a one-way ticket. So yeah. to, my parents had to buy me a one-way ticket, uh, ticket <laughs> home. And then I wrote a little a little business plan to say, yep, I reckon it's viable. And then from there, they said, all right, let's do it. And that sort of went on for 11 years. I mean, that's a great story. Would you say that, you know, no risk, no reward? A- yeah. Absolutely. At that stage, I was working for Coca-Cola and I was kind of like, I, if I stick with this company, I know exactly where I'm going to be in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. And to me, that was just, 
that was just boring. I like change and I like excitement and things like that. So I'm like, okay, so I quit that job. And most people would have thought, you know, that's crazy to go and off on mm. off on a whim to, you know, maybe there might be a job. I mean, I could have got to I could have got to China and they just said no, sorry. Yeah. You no, know, there's nothing and I've quit this job, but I'm kind of like I, I like the risk and, you know, I like the excitement of of change. That probably applies a little bit to how you approached. Uh, I mean, the first thing that we chatted about with the, you know, the ultra marathon, not really knowing how it was going to go, having people that, you know, saying maybe this isn't a good idea, but you know, taking that risk to prove yourself. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I mean, an, an ultra marathon is like living a year and you know, in a day or two days. I mean, all you all you've got to do, you got to be problem solving the whole time. You know, oh, yeah. it's kind of like you will go out and you'll go, okay, I'm going to run, I'm going to run this distance, and and you. In your mind, you're kind of like, okay, you always think it's going to be a, a perfect day out, but then, you know, your stomach might turn upside down or you might roll an ankle or you might, you know, this might happen or that might happen. You know, I've been out and people have been bitten by snakes. I've been out and people rolled ankles. I've been, yeah. you know, all that sort of, you just got to, on the spot, you've got to, you've got to make changes and you've got to, got to just work it out as you go and it's like life. So how do you solve those problems when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you've, Blown. I mean, what can you do when you're out by yourself? You take, mm. you know, you take all the, all the safety kits and you know snake bandages, and you take you know enough water, and you do all, all that sort of stuff. You know, I've been out mountain biking when you know my best friend went over the handlebars and he was convulsing on the ground, so we had to go and get a flag down car because we didn't um, we didn't have our phones, and then they mm. had to ring the ambulance, and then we had to get the ambulance in, and then we had you know, so you just sort of work it out as uh, as you go. So I guess it's not just blind risk. There's a bit of calculated risk. There's an element of planning that goes into to everything as well as uh, coupled with that whole taking of risk as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and big runs like that run, that 250-kilometre run you talk about, that is really planned out. We have my parents and, and my wife sort of every 10 or 15 kilometres will be waiting for me up ahead. You know yeah. what I mean? They'll have all the the food, the fluids, yeah, whatever else you need out, yeah, through there, and yeah, so that that kind of things, yeah, absolutely planned out. Yeah, I, I guess I've got memories of a child in the eighties of watching Cliffy Young in his gun boots uh, <laughs> shuffling after it. You think that? I mean, that dude's just, uh, you know, he's, he's out there getting after it, and uh, but you, you don't see that planning that goes on in the back end, right? Yeah, 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 and he just didn't. That guy just didn't sleep. That was his. That was why he won. I mean, he just run past people, other people when they were sleeping. I mean, you know, he's a bit of an institution for ultra running. In me, me, did I? If I remember correctly, the gumboot shuffle became a bit adopted by some ultra. Is that right, or am I? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Just yeah, because it's you're just using less energy and and you know burning less calories, and you're just shuffling along. Jeez, man. So we talked a little bit about your pre-life but i guess you know when you had you your injury you know you've come from this massively active you know you know massive international career and then something like this happens what are some of the things that sort of played around your mind as you know it's a game changer i mean if i just go back to the the day that i had my stroke i remember losing my speech and losing my right side and i remember it's 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 a remarkable thing i'm thinking i'm that's the end that you know and i was like i was so stressed i mean i, I reckon my heart level I didn't measure it but it was up and the anxiety and the stress but then i went to just this calm and nothing else nothing else mattered and i remember saying to my wife i love you and it's okay. I'm I'm at peace. I'm ready to go. And just that. Now people talk about without getting too spiritual, this mindfulness. And I reckon mm. that's exactly what it is because nothing else mattered then. Nothing like what's your career or how, mm. how many kilometers you run. It, it was just 
me and survival. You yeah. know what I mean? And that piece was something that, oh, if I could get that back now without going through the stress before, of course, it was just, <laughs> it was just the most, probably the most peaceful time of, of my life. And, um, you know, and then obviously when, when, when that started happening, then the, the Ambos came in and then, uh, you know, the rest, rest was from there, but that, just that calmness is just something that, that is just, it excites me just thinking about it now. Wow. Did you know what was going on? Yeah, it was, it was really weird because at 34 years old, I, I'd never known, of course, you hear about stroke. Yeah. But I remember when I, f- I phoned my wife and I said to her, I think I'm having a stroke. Yeah. You know, and then the phone fell out of my hand. But it was just weird that that, that came. At the start, no, I didn't know what was going on. It was just all like everything went blurry and things like that. Yeah. And uh, no, no. But I knew my body was shutting down. 100% knew that it was wow. shutting down. Well, I suppose you probably got more insight into the status of your own body running all those ultra marathons. You'd have to be pretty in touch with what's going on, I, I'd imagine. I mean, I because I yeah. I had no idea what the hell was going on when I had my things. So, uh, but were you at a str- we, did you get were you super stressed out when it was happening? Were yeah, you- well, yeah, not before. I mean, I didn't know what was happening. Um, I was on my way to a work meeting, so I, I guess I was probably stressed. I was running my own business at the time, but uh, yeah, when I was driving. I was actually driving to a, a new client meeting, a, a kickoff, and uh, yeah, I got serious vertigo. And I literally didn't know what was happening. And they they took me to a hospital who didn't know what was happening. And it wasn't sort of really uh, obvious until after an MRI for me. So it was probably a, a bit of a different experience. So, but yeah, I had no idea because I was a bit the same. I mean, I was 42 when I had mine. Yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, I guess the same as, you know, most people. You've heard of strokes, but not in a million years did you ever think it was on the radar, you know, for someone of sort of our age group. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it sounds like you had some pretty good insight there, though. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it was a pretty uh, yeah, pretty remarkable that you kind of just knew, knew, sort of you knew what was happening, you know. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. How 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 long were you in hospital for? Did you had- go rehab and all that? Yeah, I had about six weeks in in rehab, and then I reckon it took me probably about a year at home to kind of get back back to sort of normality, so to speak, whatever whatever that means. You know, okay. what did they tell you when? Did they give you any kind of indicators as to I don't know prognosis or what you could expect when you were in rehab, or it was a here's a day by day thing? What was your experience like? It was interesting. So. One thing I really remember was the doctor coming in, and you know some of these doctors don't have the best bedside manner, and uh, you know he sort of he he sort of said, "Oh yeah, if you're going to have another stroke, odds are it'll happen in the next twelve months." So you kind of hold your breath for <laughs> for twelve months. You know, what I mean, it's kind of the last thing you want to hear, you know, yeah, in, in, in that way. So it was kind of then I went into obviously into rehab, and um, and you go in just nature of stroke, you're in there with a lot of uh, a lot of older. Yeah, older older humans, wonderful people. So I just had this amazing uh, occupational therapist that would just she just said, right, you know, I've spoken to your wife. I spoke. This is where you were before your stroke. Yeah, we're going to get you back to this. We're not just going to get you ticking the boxes. Really, that an eighty year old needs to tick to uh, you know to get you out of out of rehab. So let let's work hard on on getting that. So it's literally like she said, right? This is let's just lift the lift the goal for you a little bit. Uh, which and she was amazing. Like, oh, she was a game changer for sure. I'm astounded. I mean, that's an amazing thing to hear. Mm. Um, but what kind of goals was she putting out there that were above and beyond the old 
bog standard checklist of turning oh, on the stove. You know, there's, there's checklists like, you know, you've got to stand on one leg, yeah. you know, your left leg, and then yep. you've got to shut your eyes, and you, this has got to be for a minute and things like yep. that. So she'll go, right, for you, it's got to be three minutes or, yeah. okay. you know, and things like that. And then she gave me things like my right hand was and fingers were no good. So she just said, right, I want to get you – she gave me this game where you have to pick up all these little bits of wood and put it in holes and all this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. So she yep. said, yep, I'll give you that, mm-hmm. you know, from there. And then, okay, we want to get you, most people will get on the treadmill for five minutes. For you, we want to be on there for half an hour and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. So I think it was just trying to get that muscle memory back as soon as possible. Yeah. Did they, did they talk about any sort of potential impacts on what life would be like post that acute? stage did they no it was quite it was quite interesting back then it was kind of you're left to your own there was no stroke foundations there was no anything and it was kind of like okay well once we get tick these boxes in the hospital uh you're off off you go and if you do need to go and see someone there's a pamphlet to see a you know someone out of you know out out of the hospital type of thing it was it was quite quite interesting okay i remember i remember this 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 old guy in there and he had lost his his memory with his mm. uh with with having stroke and he mm. so he had all his key card numbers all you know AT, atm and all that sort of numbers on there and i remember remember him every day he would get up and he would just around the uh around the ward he would put like a chair behind that corner a plant pot behind that corner something else behind that corner and he wouldn't move on until he remembered what was on the next around the next corner he was trying to get his memory working again yep because uh, he was from some um, academic industry, so his memory was his thing, like my exercise. So, but it was yeah. just incredible. He just every day he would get up and just train his brain to, to try and get back. You know, he'd been in that rehab, I think, for about ten months or something like that. Yeah. So a long time. Yeah. So you, so I guess upon discharge from rehab, you were largely left to your own devices. Hundred percent. Look, the physical part of it was fine i can i could deal with that um that was no problem but it was the mental part that i think they needed to do a bit more work on and i think that they are obviously the stroke foundation and and places like that are now can you talk a little bit more about you know the mental part for from your side of things a lot of people probably don't know or understand what goes through somebody's head look I, i think it's probably one of the most important and you know whatever it is, whatever physical hurdle you come up, whether it's stroke or whatever it is, it's you've got to learn to trust your body again. I mean, like you you were talking about, it's you've got this body that's just working and mm. suddenly it stops. Mm. And you don't know why, mm. you know, and it's kind of like, okay, well, that could happen at any, you know, all the time I'm like, that could happen at any time. That What, you know, yeah. how do I how do I trust that again? And, and having that, and I still now, 13 years on that I still I still deal with that every every single day as soon as I, I get a little feeling in my head or something like that my my sight or something like that I'm like oh is it is Are it happening again, again? Yeah. you know so I suppose me doing those long runs and pushing my body was trying to deal with that mental issue of trusting my body again yeah I, and I, I guess I find a little bit about that I mean physically I'm in pretty okay condition but for me I've got cognitive issues and I find it exactly the same sort of way. I don't trust my own brain. It's a weird thing to try and, no pun intended, get your head around. And, and I, get, I mean, it sounds like the only way you've sort of really overcome that is to, it's by getting wins in the bank, right? You build trust yeah, by getting wins. Absolutely. absolutely. And things like, like I mentioned before, I love being in the water. And, you know, yeah. at, at the start, it was kind of like if that happened in the water, I, would have, you know, I wouldn't have made it. And so my friends would come out with me and just go, I'll keep an eye on you 
you know, and things like that. Like they, everyone knew I'd be fine apart yeah. from me. You know what I mean? So they'll just go, yeah, we'll keep an eye on you until I started trusting myself again. Yeah. I guess, <laughs> again, a little bit of risk, a little bit of planning, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, did you have any sort of cognitive issues? Did you have any sort of memory type? Thing? All, all of your issues physical? Yeah, all were all were physical. Yeah, what's, what's really interesting is there's one thing that if you see something sad, I'll get yeah. a little bit, I'll, I'll weep, start weeping up. A little up bit more a little emotional? Bit, a bit more emotional, you know, which yeah. is quite and it's funny. A friend of mine, uh, he had a problem with his heart. And I remember or when he came in into rehab, he goes, oh, you'll start looking at like little puppies or kittens and start crying and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's true. Yeah, yeah. You're not the first person I've heard that, like, say. I've I've compared notes with a few other folks. And, I mean, it was especially for me very early in the piece. Yeah, it was an emotional nightmare. Yeah, so it's a weird thing. You're just, like, on a hair trigger. Yeah, and I think also with me, I went, you kind of go, all right, well, I just want to live in the bush and eat berries and get away from everything. But you still Mm. still have to work in society. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. You kind of go, well, I don't want to do anything I don't want to do anymore because, you know, because this is what happened. I know what it's like for everything to almost be over. Mm. And you've still got to find that balance of, of, of living and, you know, earning money and yeah. doing all that type of thing. How do you navigate it just one day at a time? Yeah, yeah, I do. I try not to do too many things that I, I don't really want to do. Kind of lucky lucky in that way. And it's um yeah, yeah, one one day at a time and I look at each each opportunity as it comes and go, do I do I really want to do this? What's the you know, risk and reward? Why before it was just like everything just full on. Go. Yeah. Go, go, go. Now it's yeah. kind of like, oh, what you know, what do I really want? Yeah. Do you have any permanent challenges that the strokes left you with? No, I suppose again, it's just I get my right side, when I get tired, yep. you know, it, it's can, you know, I can feel it in in my three fingers in my right right hand. Yeah. And I, the the biggest challenge is still is just still the mental issue is trusting, okay, trusting your, yourself again. What what's the what's the because I often still sometimes screw up my fatigue management, but the feedback is it takes a day. Like any any dumb stuff I do today, I won't pay for it later today. I'll pay for it tomorrow. Do you find that as well, or when you're when you're cooked, you're cooked, and you know it pretty instantly? Yeah, no, I did a uh, last week. I did a a long run that went through the night. Yeah, and yeah, that's taken me probably a week. You know, and I'm starting to almost feel feel okay again. You know, just okay. pushing my body, pushing my body through that. What's, I, I'm interested to hear what's the relationship between cognitive fatigue and physical fatigue for you is there is there a difference i mean i my personally if i spend my time looking at too many zoom meetings uh, my brain's custom yeah um do you find there's a difference or is it all kind of similar to you or is it mainly physical no i, I definitely have you know but again I, I don't know is is it is it in the normal realm or not i, I can't if i can't look at screens for too long and, and things like that i just too you know it just becomes too much but mine is yeah, mine mine is mainly physical. If I if I've just got to get a decent a decent sleep every night, yep, and yep. Then, and then I'm okay. So if you've got fatigue, um, or you're dealing with fatigue, I and I guess like probably quite a few others out there, when we're told to pace ourselves, the amount of times I had OTs tell because I was a boom and bust kind of guy, always was before my injury. You know, go hard or go home. Not to the extent that I'm <laughs> doing the kind of stuff that you're doing, Rob, but. Uh, yeah, I ran my own business and that sort of stuff. And I tried to apply that same mentality when I first, you know, came home, you know, oh, just go, just go, oh, we'll worry about it later, you know, we'll sleep, we'll sleep afterwards. Um, so everyone was saying, pace yourself, pace yourself, pace yourself. However, I find that 
if you pace yourself too much, you take the foot off the accelerator a little bit. And there's always that voice in the back of your head saying, oh, just, just take a day, just take a rest. You've had a stroke. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. How, how, do you, how do you manage, you know, that whole, I need to look after myself from a fatigue perspective. I shouldn't push myself too far, but I'm not going to grow as a person if I don't push myself at all. Yeah, for me, I, it's, a, I, it's a razor fine line. Oh, 100%. And, and for me, it's kind of like, oh, if I'm standing still, someone's going past me, you know what I mean, type of yeah. thing. And that's, yeah. that's that's the way I look at it. But I, I kind of now know that, okay, well, I pick the, I pick the times. Like, I've got to go away this week. Yeah. Uh, for a bit and I'm okay okay I know for two or three days it's going to be full on there won't be much sleep it'll be you know that type of thing but then I know okay well that next weekend or whatever I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to allow some time to catch up so you put credits in the bank a little bit beforehand as well as allow for it afterwards absolutely so I will like before this the run I did last week I will uh you know for a couple of days before I'll I'll make sure I rest, you know, I yeah. rest more than usual and I'll sleep more than, more than usual. Does that help? I don't know, but mentally I'm kind of like, I think it's in your subconscious. You're like, okay, well, I've, I do have, as you say, credits in the bank, so mm. it'll be better. Okay. And you find that works pretty well for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I know at some stages, if I'm, if I'm traveling that I, I can't get, you know, lots and lots of sleep and I can't, you know, do that, have a nap in the day or something like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm aware of that. So I've got to either take it at the, at the start before or take it afterwards. Is that something that you just had to work out yourself or did someone give you a tip somewhere? No, it's just something, it's just something I had to, I had to work out, you know, and, and it's interesting. It's something you have to, I suppose, deal with your friends, your family, all of them sort of need to know as well. And I kind of go, well, okay, well, I need to take, I need to just stop. Yeah for a little bit and for me it can be a matter of just sitting down by the water's edge or something like that just for an hour two hours it doesn't necessarily have to be sleeping you know okay it's that mental you know take and i think that's for everyone as well whether you've had a stroke or not just take that little mental break yeah and uh i guess what's what's life like for you now i mean you back to compared to what it was like pre-injury do you have your career is still where it is where it was or has it changed or Cree's probably bit or it's bigger, but it's mentally I'm not as obsessed with it. Okay, you know what I mean. If things go a little bit wrong one way or another, it's kind of it's not it's not the end of the it's not the end of the world, you know. So it's still I'm still pushing forward, but it's uh yeah, but with 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 le- with way less stress. Uh, okay. And exercise wise, yeah, I'm still pushing. You know, I'm still pushing as uh, as hard as I can, but I've got a a little nine-year-old that's right into running and stuff like that. So I'm enjoying running with him and stuff yep. like that, which is slowing me down a little bit, which I'm, which I'm really enjoying. Yeah. So is, is the scope for your career and that kind of stuff still the same? I mean, I know what it's like, you know, when you're working in industry or you're running a business or, you know, in sales, you've got 5 million balls in the air at the same time. Have you still, do you feel like you still got that amount that's going on or have you narrowed your focus? Uh, no, there's still, there's definitely still a lot, still a lot going on but i'm picking and choosing what i deal with and 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 more who i deal with okay you know if it's going to be a um you know someone that is is going to bring stress into my life and bring negative energy then i'll just i'll, so I'll just say no you've become a little bit more ruthless yeah why before i'll just take everything yep. let's just do everything yeah you know? so now it's kind of you know i choose you know well we work together with pe- people i like and they like me and we go together so how is it, I mean, how is the stroke experience, I mean, apart from the physical stuff and the recovery, I mean, 
has it really changed your sort of outlook on life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my biggest thing at the moment is I say to people, it's interesting how you almost have to die before you start to live. Okay. You know, and I, and I say that to, I say that to everyone. You speak to anyone like you or me or someone that's had a heart attack or so, mm. suddenly they go, oh, now what do I want out of my life? Mm. You know, after that happens. And why aren't people doing that before they have that? Yeah, that issue that that's sort of what you know what i'm trying to get into people look at it now yeah. don't just get in this rut of just doing stuff you don't want to do yeah so focus you would would you say more you're more focused on the things that you want to do as, yeah 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 and and being around people that i that i want to be around yeah you know from there that's kind of what, what i'm what i'm really enjoying do you find most people sort of get your deal um with regards to needing those breaks and you know they do they understand sort of, I mean, no, you never really understand what it's like having a stroke until you've had one, but they, do they get conceptually, you know, what's changed for you with regards to how you have to manage things like fatigue and, and all that kind of stuff? I would say in majority, probably not, okay. you know, um, you know, even my wife, who, yeah, she was there when the whole thing happened. She, she gets it, but I think they, I think unless you've been in it, you just don't understand it completely and i think it's you know up to us as as stroke survivors to be patient with them as well and yeah you know know that unless you've been through it mm. like right now if you said to me all right we've got to stop and you know i need a nap i'll be like yeah no worries let's let's pick it up in an hour or two you know what i mean yeah. like it wouldn't be a worry why a lot of people would be like what do you mean you can't just hang on for another hour or something like that you know what i yeah. mean but once you once you switch out you're out you know yeah. so i guess with all of that you know history and that experience now i mean what I mean, you're obviously still very motivated if you're out there smashing it, you know, in, in, in business and all of your, your training. And I mean, you're still obviously doing the large runs. I mean, what, what keeps you motivated to keep doing those same things? I mean, particularly when you, I mean, I know what it's like when I'm fighting fatigue and I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered doing the gym today. I feel like having garbage, you know, what keeps you hungry for, for, for getting I suppose after? with the exercise point of view, it's, ha- it's habit, right? Mm. And it's kind of like you get into that, into that habit. I mean, you know, I'm at that point now where you miss it if you if you don't if you don't do it. And you know, yeah. I always I always say to people, just four days a week, whether it be running, whatever you want to do, riding, just put your shoes on and just get out the door, even if you only go for, out for ten minutes. Yeah. But just get in that habit of, you know, if someone once told me about this guy who was really uh, super overweight, he had to lose a bunch of weight, and his mm-hmm. trainer said to him, "I want you to go to the gym. I want you to go f- to f- for four days a week." And I only want you to be there for five minutes for the first four weeks. Yeah. And you go, what do you mean? And then, so it was four weeks. He was there and it was just five minutes on the treadmill walk. And I only want you to walk. Yeah. And by the end of day, week two, he's like, I want to go along with the trainer's like, no, no, no. Got to four weeks and said, right, another two weeks, you do the same. Yeah. And by the end of it, he was like, I want more. I want, I want to go longer. And the whole thing was just, just teaching that habit. And by the end of that six weeks, he'd made friends at the gym. Yep. You know, he was in that habit of putting his shoes on four days a week. Boy, if you'd gone straight away and said to him, right, you've got, I want you to do an hour straight away. The guy would have just given up. Yeah. Too hard, got sore, got tired, but he just taught that habit. And I suppose I'm in that where I've got groups of people that, you know, I run with on a few days a week. Yeah. You know, I meet them every week. You know, that type of thing has become that social part of my life as well. And it just becomes your life, as they always say, that cliche, it becomes your lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and with work, I just love the wins. I love cha- I love chasing and, uh, you know, and, and succeeding and things like that. It's That gives me a buzz. So that okay. just keeps, keeps me motivated. So, and this is a question I usually ask 
most people or pretty much everybody actually that I speak to um, when I'm having chats like this with them is, you know, if you had one sort of piece of advice for someone that was lying in a hospital bed, questioning their future, like we all do, you know, when we've just had our injuries, like, you know, I don't know what, what the next, you know, I don't know what life's going to be like. What would you tell them? I would tell them there is hope. Yeah. And I would just say, take very, very, very small steps at the start, depending on, on what you, what you can do. You know, mm -hmm. it was, for me, it was a matter of, I'd start walking three or four steps down my driveway. And then the next day it would be five or six steps. And then the next yeah. day it would be that super, super small uh, wins, I suppose, and, yep. and celebrate those wins, but also know that there will be days where you don't win. Yeah. You know, there's going to be days dark. There's going to be dark days. Yeah. Know, there's going to be days when it just is the worst thing in the world, but no, that there will be those po those positive days, but just small steps. You know, I think too many people go out and go, I just want to be back to where I am straight yeah. away. Yeah. You know, with me, it was like I used to run with a group at the surf club and before my stroke and I, I was running with, you know, some decent athletes and I'd be up the front the whole time. And when I came back after my stroke, I was a kilometer behind the very, very last person. Yeah. Okay. You know, on that run, I was so far behind, but it didn't, didn't phase me. I was just like, cool, I'll just work. Yeah. Slowly, slowly. So don't rush. The advice would be don't rush, take small steps. Okay. And just go off on a slight tangent. You did mention those dark times. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm assuming you've, you've probably had a few yourself, but being, I guess, a, you know, a, a serious athlete, you, you learn to work your way through those dark times. Do you have any strategies for anybody out there that might be sort of dealing with those dark times themselves, how they sort of get through it? Cause I, I guess, you know, you can really does feel like, well, I can't, I can't even make small steps. What's the bloody point. Uh, I'm sitting here drooling, um, you know, why bother? Yeah. 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 I, I suppose if you move out of the hospital bed, some of my dark times at home, what I, what I would do is just, I would sleep in the clothes that I needed to get out the door in, in the yep. morning. Ah. Right. Yep. So I'd, so I didn't have to, I just took all those excuses away. I'd literally put my shoes on and I'd be like, I'm just going to get out and just walk every morning. I'm going to get up yep. at a certain time, get out the door and just walk. And by the time I got back from, I'm only talking 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes, mm -hmm. I'll go for a walk and I'd be a different person rather than lie in bed and think about how things are. I know if you're stuck in bed, you can't get out of bed. I understand that's a completely different scenario and that's going to be small things like, you know, all right, I'm going to touch my hand to my face or something like that. Okay, that's going to be, you know, I'm going to do that 10 times. I'm going to do, just give yourself something in the morning, a little, a little win yeah. every morning when you get up. Because I find there that those mornings can be the worst. Yeah the worst times that just getting out of bed can be the, be the toughest time. So if you just give yourself a little win in the morning, yeah, then, uh, then that can motivate you for the rest of the day. I must admit, that's what killed me. Uh, fatigue in the morning, particularly early in a piece. It was like, wow, it was just horrendous. I couldn't do anything in the morning. So it sounds like the trick is whatever you're choosing to do in the morning that you want to commit to, you've got to make it as easy for yourself as possible. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I had everything on, but my shoes, <laughs> You know, like, that's what I'd sleep in. Okay. So, so would you say morning mornings are absolutely critical? Yeah. 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 A hundred percent mornings are critical. 
and I think, and I'm not talking about getting up and doing your rehab. It's just a matter of getting up and getting out, getting a bit of fresh air if you can. I know yep. if you're in a wheelchair or something, it's completely different. But if you can get out or just get moving a little bit in the mornings, yeah. and then your rehab can come whenever. You know what I mean? If you, Some people like to do it in the middle of the day. Some people like to do it at 10 in the morning, yeah. whatever, afternoon. That's fine. But just get your day. Start, your day with, a, start with a win. No matter start how small. Start with a win. You know, and then if you need to have a nap at 10 in the morning, well, at least you've got up. You, at least you've done something. You've had a win of some sort. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really solid advice. That sounds like a great place to leave it, Rob. Thank you again, once again, so much for your time. No, no problem at all. And uh, hope all's good in your world. And uh, you know, you're getting better and better each day as well. And you know, that's that's the main thing that we all just have our own little little goals because it's a it's our own journey. But yeah. but there's a group of us that are all there together. You know, yeah. helping each other as well. This episode is part of the Young Stroke podcast series created by Stroke Foundation's Young Stroke Project. Find out more by visiting youngstrokeproject.org.au. You can listen to dozens of other podcasts on our stroke recovery website, enableme.org.au. StrokeLine's allied health professionals can help you manage your health and live well. StrokeLine is a practical, free and confidential service. Call 1800 787 653 Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm, Australian Eastern Standard Time, or email strokeline at strokefoundation.org.au. The advice given here is general in nature. Discuss your situation and needs with your healthcare professionals. The Young Stroke podcast series is presented by Australia's Stroke Foundation and funded by the Australian Government Department of Social Services.